Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We are in 1 Samuel. We are in chapter 8. 1 Samuel is towards the front of your Old Testament. Pass up the first five books of Moses. Keep going a little bit further. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. We're in chapter 8 tonight. We're going to be looking at the subject of leadership tonight once again as we move ahead in this uh, story that chronicles the story of the kings and shows us the first king. And this is a very important moment in Israel's history. It's a moment of uh, transition and it's going to be a moment of failure because uh, Israel, once again, like many of us, looks to the wrong solution, looks to the wrong place, feels that human leadership is going to be the answer. A human king is going to solve their problems, fight their battles. And if you've been around long enough, you know that looking to human solutions always leads you to the same place. Because all of us are imperfect. All of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And um, that's what we're going to look at tonight is what the real king that we need to look to is the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords. Father, we want to thank you and uh, that we can approach tonight together a throne of grace where a king, the king of kings and lord of lords, is risen and seated at the right hand of God the Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are victorious. Your work is finished. You've imputed righteousness to your people. As Chris prayed, you have covered, but more than that, cleansed our sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. We can think back to the Passion Week and think of the crown of thorns with which our king was crowned and what you endured that we might be saved. It is really incomprehensible when we think of all of our shortcomings and failures and think that you bore those on the cross. The king humbled himself and was crowned. You didn't deserve that, Lord, but you took it because you love us. And so love did... uh, endure this and it's it's an amazing love lord and so we just thank you for that and we thank you that we can call you our king we can be your people you've made us co-heirs with christ and as we look at the subject of leadership and kingship tonight guide us by your holy spirit let us uh, learn what you have for us tonight Add and take away from what I've prepared so that you might speak tonight and we might listen and respond to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And it came about, 1 Samuel 8, 1, when Samuel was old. And all I can say to that is, what happened? How did Samuel get so old so fast? It's only been a couple chapters. (laughs) But isn't that the way that it seems to work? This is going to relate more to those of you who are a little older. But 
it just comes about. And you're like, what happened? I used to be, I used to look like this. The pictures are true. But now, (laughs) things are happening. I mean, remember when we started this story, Samuel was just a prayer. He was a, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you, Lord. And then when he was just a little boy, mom weaned him and dropped him off at the temple and visited once a year and made that little uh, robe for him and made it a little bigger every year and visited him and Eli was watching over him, training him, and then all of a sudden you come to chapter 8 and 1 Samuel 8 and Samuel's old. You know, we were uh, studying the book of Ecclesiastes not that long ago. That's airing on our radio program right now on several stations here in Southern California. And uh, part of the lesson of Ecclesiastes is just to realize the vanity of life without God and um, That's part of what Solomon bemoans as he looks at life. He says, we all start off in this strength and vigor and then time goes by and then we face our mortality and then we're going to leave what we've done to somebody else. And this is is life. And if if you extract God, if you try to disconnect God from the equation of life, it's pretty sad and there's no guarantees that you're even going to make it to old age but Samuel's old now every leader gets old it just happens it's just the way of life and Samuel it came about that when he was old that he appointed his sons judges over Israel this was really not the uh, way that it was done in Israel the priesthood was hereditary, but the appointment of judges was not. And so we don't quite know why Samuel did this, but we do see at the end of chapter 7 something that was happening. If you go back for a second in 1 Samuel 7, look at verse uh, 13. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel, 7.13. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. So there was a peace. There was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. So there we get kind of a summary of his life. And he used to go annually on circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. He was something like a circuit judge. Then his return was to Ramah, for his house was there. And there he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. And so what we find at the end of chapter 7 is a real summary, and there were many years of peace under this guy's leadership. He was a good, solid leader. The people benefited. There was peace with the Philistines. They didn't enter into the borders anymore. And Samuel did this circuit. And he went around and around and around. And he went to these different locations. And he judged the people. And the nation prospered under his leadership. And so this is critical. When there is good leadership, there are blessings. When there, are, when there is poor leadership, 
there aren't blessings. <laughs> In 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious. He must be gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But there's a problem. And the problem is that although Samuel was a good man and a good leader, his sons were not so good. As a matter of fact, we're about to read about his sons and the sons that he appointed to the task of judges were not good at all. If you look at verse 2, it says, Now the name of his firstborn son was Joel or Joel. His name means Yahweh is God. And the name of his second, Abijah, and they were judging in Beersheba. Abijah means my father is the Lord. They were about 48 to 50 miles away from Ramah, which was where the home of um, Samuel was. And it may well be that Samuel decided because he was older and the work was so much and he probably was slowing down and didn't want to travel as much and couldn't cover the entire area that he wanted to delegate. And there's nothing wrong with delegation. In 2 Timothy 1 uh, and 2, Paul says to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The work of God must be uh, divvied up. It can become too much for one person. And Samuel recognized that. He was getting older. He didn't want to probably travel as much. I'm sure the travel was much harder on him than it was when he was younger. And so he appointed his sons as judges. But that was a mistake because his sons were not godly men. His sons, however, verse 3, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took, and the Hebrew has a possible violent connotation. They took bribes and perverted justice. The very thing that a judge is supposed to do is be just, and they perverted justice by taking bribes and being uh, enamored by dishonest gain. And when you're in a position of power and you don't have the right amount of accountability around you, you can take advantage of resources that come your way. And if you don't have checks and balances and measures to stop that, then indeed you can be uh, a person who is gravitating to dishonest gain. And in many of the descriptions that you're going to see about leadership in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, one of the warnings is that a man is not given to dishonest gain. If he is, then he cannot lead well. Because money cannot be your God. You cannot serve God and mammon. And Paul said, look, I lived among you. I did not cover covet your silver, your gold, and your clothes. You know what kind of man I proved to be among you? That I even work with my own hands. Paul wanted to be above reproach when it came to finances. And sadly, Samuel's sons were not. They were enamored by the finances. 
It says in Judges 8, 22 and 23, if you write it down for your notes, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son, also your son's son, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. This is against hereditary judges. But Gideon said to them, Judges 8, 23, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. If you want to be a good leader, whether you lead a company, whether you're a leader of a family, whether you're in some form of leadership in a church, whether you lead uh, and you coach a sport, if you are being led by the Lord, that will make you most effective. If you want to be a good leader, you need to be led by the Lord. It's just that simple. If you're dependent upon the Lord, you will be a good leader. In the book of Proverbs, which talks a lot about leadership, it says in Proverbs 28, this is 28, 28 through 29, 4. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. But when they perish, the righteous increase. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad. But he who keeps company with harlots harlots wastes his wealth. The king gives stability to the land by justice. But a man who takes bribes overthrows it. At some point when there is corruption inside an organization, it will come out. Your sin will find you out. And ultimately it comes out in one way or the other. And uh, sometimes it gets really ugly in certain contexts. And so his sons were corrupt. The book of Proverbs says a lot about sons and how we are to approach these kinds of things. I'd like you to turn there if you would. Turn to uh, Proverbs First of all, 23, Proverbs 23. I was telling somebody earlier today, I was meeting with a young man. He is a fairly new believer, and he was asking me about approaching the Bible and what to read. And I told him, well, if you're in doubt and you're wondering what to read, you have a built-in reading plan in the book of Proverbs. There are 31 Proverbs. Typically, there are 30 or 31 days in a month. Just read the proverb that matches the day of the month. Today is March the 11th. If you are this type of person where you go, what should I read? I know the pastor says to read your Bible. And you do that kind of thing. And it says, and Judas went out and hung himself. (laughs) The best plan that you can have is a systematic plan. And you have a built-in plan in terms of reading Proverbs. So just read the Proverbs that proverb that matches the day. In Proverbs 23, if you look at verse 22, it says this, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who begets a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. But the point is that the children of Samuel did not delight in his ways. Why is that? 
I mean, they sound very much like the sons of Eli. The sons of Eli were under Eli's direct supervision. At least maybe you could say, well, in Samuel's case, the sons were 50 miles away. Maybe the problem was is that dad's influence wasn't present enough. And let me tell you something. If you want to have influence over somebody, you've got to be present in their life. If you have a shotgun approach to trying to speak into somebody's life and you can't live before them and you can't coach them through daily life, then you're not going to be able to have the kind of influence that you want to have. And so in order to be an effective parent, you've got to be a present parent. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be with your children 24-7, but you've got to have some time where you can speak into their life so that they can know your ways. Proverbs 3, if you turn there for a second, Proverbs 3. Remember, Proverbs is really about wisdom, urgent wisdom from a father and a mother to a son or a daughter. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Proverbs 3.13 says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For, it, for its profit is better than, uh, that of, uh, than the profit of silver, and its gain than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. See, we are to walk in the ways of our Father. And the only way you can walk in God's ways is to spend time with Him and to learn His ways. Now, some things, as a Christian, you learn as you go. We're all learning as we go. And when you're first a Christian, everything is a new discovery. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know the Bible said that about that. Oh, Wow, I'm not doing that. And then you try to adjust your ways to what God's word says. Of course, you understand that the more you drink in God's word, the more accountable you become. Praise God. Anybody want to go home right now? You guys are okay? But the beauty of the word of God is that you learn what pleases the Lord. Indeed, you learn wisdom, and wisdom is to be treasured above anything else. Let me ask you, is that the goal of our modern system? The most important thing we're trying to impart to our kids is wisdom? Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure that that's the case. And look, I'm preaching to myself when, when we say and talk about these things. In Psalm 81... Verse 13, God says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who, would hate, those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him, and their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. So you got the Psalms right before the Proverbs. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, by the way. Psalm 119, verse 33. What do you do to get wisdom? How do you approach wisdom? Well, here's what it says. It says, Psalm 119, 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding, Psalm 119, 34, that I might, may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. 
Make me walk in the path of thy commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to thy testimonies and, and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in thy ways. Establish thy word to thy servant as that which produces reverence for thee. You know, the cry of a, of a believer every single day ought to be, Lord, teach me your ways. Just when we think that we've arrived at knowing what those are is usually when we hit our head on something. You know, I think I got this pretty down. I'm, I'm doing good. Pling! That's usually when you're in trouble. When Moses was leading the people, if you turn back to 1 Samuel, father-in-law Jethro had some advice for him. <laughs> Teresa, you'd like that? Jethro. And he said, look, you're going to wear yourself out if you keep trying to do all this stuff and lead all these people. And Moses said, well, the people come to me and I judge between the people. And father-in-law had advice. He said, look, you need to split up the work. Furthermore, Exodus 18.21, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of the thousands of hundreds and fifties and of tens. If you want to be a good leader, fear God, be a man or a woman of truth, and hate dishonest gain. Hate it. Learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. I have a good friend who has seen some ugly stuff. He has been in law enforcement for some years and he worked some very difficult sides of law enforcement. And he said, Michael, I hate pornography. I hate it. And he said that because he has had to endure and look at things related to crimes in that arena that he says there are images and things that he has seen that he can never get out of his head. And he said, I hate it. I hate what it does to people. I hate what it has caused. I hate it. Now when you're starting to get your arms around that kind of mindset, that you really want to depart from evil because you know what it does to you, you know what it does to those around you, you know what it does to your walk with Jesus Christ, you know the potential destruction that sin can cause in your life. If you take that kind of attitude, sin will have less of an opportunity of getting into your house. You have to be really ruthless with sin and sometimes we're just not. And so... I don't know what happened with Samuel's boys, but they did not walk in his ways. And, you know, as a, as a parent, um, we all desire that children would walk in the ways of God and that they would, they would follow the Lord. But one encouragement I will give to you is since Samuel was a godly leader, Samuel is evidence that godly leaders don't always produce godly children. Um. I can't give you all the angles about that. I know what all of our desire would be as parents, that our children would always walk in the way of God, that grandchildren would always walk in the ways of the Lord. And some of us have a tendency, and this may be speaking to somebody's heart tonight, to beat ourselves up if that's not the case. So we have somebody that's wayward, and, 
And we are hitting ourselves and slapping ourselves and saying, what did I do wrong? What did I do? Look, it may have nothing to do with you. It may, but it may not. You can only do what you can do. You can't go back and change something that happened 10 years ago. You can still pray. You can be a positive example today. Whatever happened with Samuel's children, it certainly was not because he was not a godly man, because he was. He was a godly man. And somehow his sons just went astray. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter 8, we see this chapter, this famous chapter, where Israel asks for a king. They want a king to judge them, to rule over them. And one of the aspects that we don't really think about too much, I think, and the reason that it comes up that they request a king is because Samuel's sons do not walk in his ways. They were taking bribes. They were not doing the right thing. They weren't godly men. And it tells us something about, there's this pattern in 1 Samuel. It applies to um, uh, earlier in the book when we see uh, Eli the priest, the high priest, we see Samuel and then David. And their sons did not always follow in their ways. And you know, we, we don't know all the reasons for that. We can see that in, in the case of Eli, where, you know, he wasn't really rebuking them and correcting them. But in other cases, we don't have all the information. And we don't have a guarantee that our sons will always walk in our footsteps or our daughters, for that matter. And that's why, um, you know, when Samuel was getting old, the fear was your, your sons are not like you. And so uh, we need a king. We need someone to step in and 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 judge us and rule for us like the other nations. And and this thing was displeasing to Samuel. It was evil in his sight. First Samuel 8, 6. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. I think he did the right thing by praying, but man, he was upset. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being king over them. You know, sometimes when we hear people speak against the Lord or we hear them take solutions outside of the God that we know is the solution. We, we take it personally. We can get upset with family members and friends who just won't heed the message. They, they just don't seem to get it. They don't want to pay attention. And, and sometimes we bring that to the Lord and we say, Lord, you know, this upsets me. Doesn't this upset you? And, and the Lord reminds us, you know what? When they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And when you think about, you know, how much rejection the Lord experiences, we we don't like rejection as people, let's face it. It's one of the more difficult things we, we deal with. But God, think of who God is, and he gets rejected every day. Every moment, I would venture to say of every day. You see, they had forsaken him. They'd served other gods, and this is just what they did. 